the greatest dramatic songwriter of his time. That's what Variety called Burt Bacharach, who passed away last week at age 94. And if his name doesn't ring a bell, I guarantee you've heard some of his songs over the last 70 years. Bacharach's music had a charm to it. He wrote for Dionne Warwick, Perry Como, and B.J. Thomas, just to name a few. Thomas's song, Raindrops Keep Falling on My Head, went to number one. Raindrops are falling on my head. Can you picture in your mind Paul Newman riding a bike set to this song and Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid? I really did enjoy a lot of Burt Bacharach's songs. From the Carpenters, they long to be close to you. Do birds suddenly appear every time you are near? Just like me, they long to be close to you. To Dion Warwick's, I say a little prayer. I say a I do think what the world needs now is my favorite. Lyrics by Hal David, the song given to Jackie DeShannon in 1965, turbulent times, but the song was like a prayer and a truthful one. The world needs love, sweet love. But only in Jesus can we find that love. Welcome to Haven Today. Here it is, Valentine's Day, Tuesday, and we're in a series called Love by the Book. I'm Charles Morris. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's too little of. I want to welcome to the program, she hasn't been on in a few years with me, my wife, Janet, my sweet love. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Chaz, and I love the song. It's just your kind of schmaltzy song. <laughs> well, it is Valentine's Day, and you kind of always need a little schmaltz, and I wanted to buy you candy, but you asked me not to. That's because if it's there, I will eat it, and you know I have a really active sweet tooth. Well, but at least we're going to have a really nice lunch out to celebrate, and uh, it'll be sweet just to be together because... There have been so many years in the past when I would have been traveling on the road on Valentine's Day. Yes, and it's sweet because it's a special year in our marriage. In about a month, we'll be celebrating our 40th anniversary. Forty years. That's getting to be a long time. Yes, and, you know, we've had our ups and downs over those years, our strains and difficulties and, well, Let's just call them long conversations. But <laughs> Serious conversations. The Lord works through all of that if you ask him to, which is we've seen him do again and again. Teach us how to love each other, how to keep it sweet. Really, really sweet. And of course, Jesus is the best teacher when it comes to love. All the things love is in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, which we're looking at on the program this week. Uh, love is patient, love is kind, 
doesn't envy, doesn't boast, isn't proud, isn't rude or self-seeking, not easily angered, no record of wrongs. Love doesn't delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And then I really love where it says in 1 Corinthians 13, love never fails. They all come from Jesus and they come from his spirit at work in us. Yeah, I was thinking when you were reading 1 Corinthians 13 about Paul saying some of the same things in Philippians chapter 2. He's urging them to love each other. And he says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one in mind. And then he adds, in other words, have this mind among you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Mm. Fitting words for Valentine's Day from Philippians chapter 2, as we're also in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter in the Bible. Janet, my wife, thank you so much. Happy Valentine's Day. It's fun to be back. Thank you, Charles. Well, this is Haven Today. In a moment, we're going to turn to the love chapter in the Bible. We're going to move away from secular music and turn to 1 Corinthians 13. And whether you have a Valentine today or not, I think this chapter is helpful for every Christian. We need to keep it in our minds and hearts. And in some ways, we look at this chapter like a mirror, and we don't see ourselves doing what it says we should do. But you know who do we see? That's right, we see Jesus, love perfected, and his teaching all of his followers to love like him. So stay with me. Let's enjoy this special Valentine's Day message together. And then after the program, if you're blessed by the program and would like to help us keep sharing the love of Jesus with people all over the world, I want to invite you to make a gift to the ministry. And as our thanks, I'd like to send you a very helpful resource called Where to Find It in the Bible. Thousands of topics, this handheld book will help you find scripture quickly related to subjects you're searching for. I've used this in my own morning devotions as well as in writing messages for Haven Today. Where to Find it in the Bible will help you find just the right passage at a moment's notice. Call us after the program, won't you, at 800-65-HAVEN. 800-65-HAVEN, or make your gift online and ask for the book at haventoday.org, haventoday.org. And if you wanted to, but didn't get around to it last week, we still have the double DVD feature films of The Hiding Place and Return to The Hiding Place for your gift as well. And now let's open with a Christian song sung for us by Matt Redmond. This is how we know this is how we know what love is Just one look at your cross And this is where we see This is where we see how love works For you surrendered your all And this is how we know That you have loved us first and this is where we chose to love you in return For you so loved the world that you gave your only son Love amazing, so divine, we will love you in return 
places where we chose to love you in return for you so song by Matt Rebin. This is How We Know. You're in a haven today called Love by the Book. I'm Charles Morris here on Valentine's Day, and love, I hope, is in the air where you are. And that means you're likely being bombarded by ads claiming that love is shiny, expensive, can be purchased in installments. We hear so many different opinions about love around Valentine's Day, but one common theme is that love has to be big. It has to be flashy, out of the ordinary, and show that you really care about your someone special. It's not so much something you do as it's something you give, and it is seemingly more about the quality of the lover's gift than the quality of his or her actual love. Now, of course, there's nothing necessarily wrong with wanting to express your love to someone else through a special gift or a gesture. It's a delight to pick out something special But we often get so caught up in these mixed messages that we lose sight of the real point of love. Have you ever waited until the last possible minute to get someone you love a gift for Valentine's Day or to make a special reservation and you can't? What tends to happen? We feel the weight of the holiday's obligation and we begin to panic, scrambling to fix a problem that exists merely because Hallmark says it exists. 
A friend of mine tells the story of going to a store on February 13th and seeing all kinds of men at the jewelry counter, the stress, the panic, evident on their faces. And even if you've never experienced that specific feeling this time of year and on this day, we often view ourselves through the lens of performance and feel like we failed in some way. You see, if we see love as nothing more than an extraordinary grand performance, then we miss out on all it has to offer ourselves and others. It misses the point that real love reflects God's own heart to his creation and his people. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7, Paul cuts through the mixed messages we hear and presents an image of Christian love that's ordinary but sacrificial. It's also God-honoring. Paul speaks about love amid a very difficult situation at the church in Corinth. There was anything but love in the air. There were factions, arguments, scandals ravaging the church. Their former love seemingly grown cold. They boasted in themselves and their abilities, but Paul tells them that they gain nothing from all their impressive feats if they do not have love. It's love, not a list of achievements, that binds the church together. But what is love? What picture is Paul trying to paint? Well, he doesn't give us an empty, sentimental canvas. He gives us an expansive masterpiece of love. He opens verses 4 and 5 by saying that love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It isn't proud. It doesn't dishonor others. Do you notice how each of these examples deals with the way that love is expressed, the ways that we relate to each other? This posture of love can only come from a heart that is satisfied, first, foremost, in Jesus Christ. How can love be patient and kind to others, even if someone else is impatient and unkind to us? Because we have all we need in Jesus, who every day shows us his patience, his kindness. What keeps us from being envious or boasting? Remembering that all we have is from Christ, so we lack nothing. We put our boasting in him. We have received everything we need from Christ, so there isn't room left for pride. We know that Christ has made each one of us a new creation, equal in dignity and glory, so there is no reason for us to dishonor our brothers and sisters. Love flows out of a heart that's satisfied in Christ and is eager to serve others. Now, that's a very different way to look at love. And in that vein, Paul continues in verse 5 by saying that love is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Sometimes we see people stubbornly sticking to their own path. They might even playfully say, boy, they sure have heart. And it is true, a heart that lovingly tries to serve another may indeed pursue a good path with devout determination. But Paul reminds us here that a heart filled with true love will not stubbornly commit to its own way at the expense of another. Following that example of Christ, we're called to lay down our lives for each other. Because of the love that he had for us, Jesus was not self-seeking. He pleaded with his heavenly Father there in Gethsemane, saying, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. He asked for deliverance from the path he was on, but he didn't insist on it. He continued to pray, and he said, Yet not my will, but yours be done. Christ didn't seek his own good. 
He sought the good of others, even to the point of dying on a cross. And what did Jesus accomplish on the cross? He accomplished the salvation of sinners. He took the wrath and anger intended for us and took it on himself instead. He cleared the record of sin that stood to condemn us. He took it all upon himself so that we could become new creations by grace and that we could stand in his finished work, not our own. He did this all out of love. He wasn't content to let anger and guilt stand against us, so he intervened in our behalf. And in the same way, we are called to look at fellow believers with grace. Love doesn't store up anger or a list of wrongs. Instead, love calls us to see others through eyes of grace, seeing that they too are needy, forgiven sinners, just like you and me. Paul reminds us that love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Ever witnessed a fellow believer who was caught in evil and then exposed for it? What was your first reaction? If it was somebody you loved, then it likely grieved you. But what if it was somebody you weren't so fond of? Perhaps you secretly delighted in their downfall. Perhaps you even said to yourself, they got what was coming to them. Well, that is not what love does. Love grieves evil and rejoices with the truth. And both responses can come from the same situation. We rightly grieve evil, but we can also rejoice because it's no longer hidden. It's been brought to the light and can be confessed to our Lord. Jesus himself reminding us in John 3 that sin cannot live in the light, only the truth. Therefore, love sees this situation and delights at the light of truth and the forgiveness available in Christ. Love itself is a lover of the light. And then finally, Paul says that love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. It's steadfast, and it's always directed to someone or something. We love the people and things that we find precious in this world, and that usually means that we want to protect them. We want to keep our loved ones safe from danger and harm. This is exactly how Christ felt about the church. He loved his bride, and he works through his spirit and word to protect and preserve her. And in the same way, the true church loves Jesus, and we are called to display a love that always trusts and always hopes in him alone. If Jesus is who he says he is, and he is, then we have every reason to trust what he has said about himself and those who believe in him. We have every reason to hope because what he says is true. He loved us first, and if we love him, then we don't hope or trust in vain. We trust in his finished work on our behalf. We have hope that he will come again in glory. We as the church look forward to the return of our first love, Jesus. And he didn't shrink back from his costly love. He loved us to the grave and back. His love is patient and kind. It honors and seeks after others. It's long-suffering and gracious. It cannot help but rejoice in the truth. And his love will always protect and preserve his people like you and me. We're called to daily display an ordinary love. And yet this love is extraordinary. Not expensive, but yet costly. It costs our Savior everything, and it calls us to live costly lives of service toward one another. Love isn't a souvenir. 
It's a sacrifice. So this year, this Valentine's, tune out the voices of the salesman and tune in to the voice of your Savior, the only one who can show you what love truly is. Love is not proud. Love does not boast. Love, after all, matters the most. Love does not run. Love does not hide. Love does not keep locked inside. Love is a river that flows through. And love never fails. At the end of time And love will protect Love always hopes And love still believes When you don't Love is the arms that are holding you Love never fails never fails on this haven today on valentine's day a program called love by the book well i hope you've dug in with me a little more to first corinthians 13 it was an encouragement to me come on back tomorrow we'll continue all week through this special chapter and i think that it's important that we read our bibles we not only learn more about our great god and our glorious savior but we grow closer as well Sometimes we hear from people who want to know where to start. I often encourage others to start with the Gospel of John. That's what the Lord used to save me when I was 16. But sometimes we still wonder what to read or where to find certain topics in the Bible. And that's why I'm glad that we can share a book with you that has been a huge blessing in my life. It's called Where to Find It in the Bible. It has thousands of topics like love, but more important, it's saturated with thousands of scripture passage references that'll help you study God's word more effectively. So from my own morning devotions to 
writing Haven Today messages. Where to find it in the Bible has guided me to just the right passage. Well, I'd like to send you this helpful resource for your support of Haven Today. We just ask for you to call us at 800-65-HAVEN. Make your gift, 800-65-HAVEN. Or you can do it online at haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And while you're there, take a look at the double feature DVD called The Hiding Place and Return to the Hiding Place. Corey Ten Boom and her Christian family and friends helping to rescue Jews in World War II. Powerful movies that I think will bless you. Ask about that when you call or read more. They're on our website. I'm Charles Morris. Thanks so much for joining me on this Valentine's Day. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again together we'll share the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your encouragement and your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The opening lines of John 1 always leave me exhilarated, and when you learn the background of the Word, it gets better. That word, logos, doesn't even mean just a singular word. It was always a reference to a conversation, a long-form report, and the Greeks sometimes took that idea to talk about the divine. John did too. In the beginning was the conversation, the report, the revelation. God has been revealing himself since the beginning, and that revelation became flesh. That's what John is saying. Jesus Christ isn't just a man pointing us to God. He is God's very own revelation. Spend more time with Jesus. Visit GetAnchor.com.